Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And you know, I thought I was going to be talking a lot about Ezekiel Tovar, maybe breaking down this San Diego Padres series, though I am recording this before the rubber match will be played on Sunday afternoon. But... The general manager came down to the dugout yesterday afternoon and had a bit of a conversation with us. And whenever that happens, well, it's news. Whether whether he said a whole lot, whether he said nothing, whether he said a bunch of things that made you mad or a few things that gave you hope. When the general manager talks, we have to talk about it because that's where we get our insights to what's going on with this club and, and what we can expect in the future and i wanted to give an overview because well i would stand in right there when it all went down and you know i'm probably going to write about some of these things in a bit more depth and and detail uh because some of these are obviously very big conversations right he sat there for i think maybe 15 minutes i'd have to double check my uh my recording length but he 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 heard us out for a while he, he answered quite a few questions and and quite a few direct questions on everything from the makeup of the team to the staff to uh, the offseason. The only question that he was asked that he said, let's do that another time, was about the budget. I believe it was, I'm, I'm not going to remember who asked each question. It was pretty rapid fire. I do believe it was Thomas Harding uh, who asked about the budget and, and that we had been told you know, from Dick Monfort that there were going to be more increases in the budget from last year to this year and then from this year to next year. And so this is about the time when it'd be nice to get a little bit of clarification on does that mean one pretty decent-sized free agent? Does it mean two medium-sized free agents? Does it mean two big free agents? Probably not, but we really, we don't no 100%. I think a lot of people were surprised that the Rockies went and spent some money last offseason, whether you were, well, everybody was surprised they did that, whether you, you thought it was a good idea or a bad idea, uh, whether you're in love with the Chris Bryant thing, especially now, given that he, he didn't play much this season, hardly at all. They did spend the money, right? So so you've, you've got to ask yourself, and and we did ask Bill Schmidt, <laughs> and he said, ah, let's do that after the season. And I, and I think that that's fair. And he did say he would get back to us on it. Everything else he got into. I'm going to begin with the things that I think are going to be the most controversial, or at least the things that Rockies fans are going to be most frustrated about, address what I think is going on there, and, and then kind of get into the other things that I actually think are far more substantive uh, as far as having a constructive conversation about the team moving forward. But, but these are the things up front that I, I think really frustrate a lot of Rockies fans and, and understandably so, right? So first you've got how much during the conversation, especially when the conversation was about what went wrong this year, which was like the first couple of questions, right? Where how do you assess the 2022 season? What went wrong? Why weren't you guys able to meet your expectations, right? Because they came out and said that they expect to compete. And he said several times during this conversation that they expect to compete again next year. One of those things that I think, again, is going to frustrate a certain segment of the fan base. Now, that one, I, I, I again, I really feel like any, it's not that you have to be okay with it, but it certainly shouldn't come as a shock that the Colorado Rockies are not going to rebuild. That's not a Bill Schmidt decision. That's a Dick Monfort decision. It's always been Dick Monfort's philosophy that you don't tear down and rebuild and be bad on purpose 
you you try to win and and Bill Schmidt said it essentially this way again I'll have direct quotes and articles and things but that you try to win as many games as you can every year and I know to some people that sounds hokey and and that like it has no business sense or that it lacks strategy but and I've said this before so I'll, I'll move on but I just think in this day and age of cynical sports and and the number of teams that get away with losing on purpose that never end up winning on purpose, uh, I think it's refreshing. And I think that, you know, yes, that, that at times that's got to make Bill Schmidt's job a little bit harder, that he can't do quick retool, rebuild type of things that, that you know, and we talked about it this year's trade deadline. There were a number of things that you would think would have been on the table for some veterans he could have moved that he didn't in part because it was going to look like a teardown rebuild, right? And that's not what they're trying to do. That said, that part of it, that they intend to compete next year and that they believed they were going to compete this year, if if that's still frustrating you, I, I understand. But I, all I can say is that's just the way it's going to be. As long as Dick Monfort owns the team, which is as long as he wants to, which is going to be forever, <laughs> just so everyone knows... That's going to be the edict. And so, in but you can still find ways to compete inside of that. I think that's another thing that's really interesting about this conversation, that as much as you may think it's what's stopping the Rockies from competing right now or from taking advantage of whatever they have right now, like the, the owner saying, I want you to win as many games as possible, like isn't always a terrible thing forever. And it doesn't mean that they can't win inside of that, even if it limits some of the things that they can do. The other thing that I think is going to frustrate a lot of, or that I know was frustrating a lot of Rockies fans in the immediate aftermath was how much talk there was about Chris Bryant and, and how much Schmidt did emphasize essentially that not having Bryant this year cost them, right? And this is always one of those big debates in baseball. How much does one player really make an impact? How much are there cascading sort of domino effects, right? And how much can you really say, well, yeah, if we'd have had that one guy, it have swung us 20 games in the other direction, right? Now, I don't think that's what he was saying. And I'll get into in a moment here the fact that he answered several other questions with directness about how they need to get better and how they need to bring in more talent means that he wasn't saying, well, we just need to get Chris Bryant back and we're fine. Nothing else needs to be done here. We're totally good to go. I, I wash my hands of it. It was just bad luck and injuries. He did mention that they had some bad luck and some injuries, and they did. And you can't, the on the flip side, you can't sit there and say, well, Chris Bryant, no big deal, whatever. He wouldn't have made a difference. He would have made a difference. Would he have made the difference Probably not, but there's really no way of knowing that. He's absolutely the type of player who can and has played at an MVP level before. There can be cascading effects to that when you, anything from guys who had to try to carry the lineup at times this year, who instead would have been hitting fifth or sixth, guys who maybe were forced into playing time they weren't quite ready for, all of those kinds of things. The Just the amount of pressure that not scoring runs uh, during large stretches of the season puts on your pitching staff and, and the way they have to approach games. And so, yeah, there are those ripple effects. There are all of those extra things. It's not just about... 
you know, I think this is one of the, the things that the wins above replacement stat has kind of overemphasized in a negative way that this notion that like, well, if, if that guy's got that number, then that's all he's worth, right? Because there's a lot of things outside of that that a player like Chris Bryant can bring to a team. All of that said, I think if he'd been healthy and played 155 games this year, the Rockies probably would be, they, they'd be seven, eight, nine games better than they are now, but that obviously wouldn't put them in a, a postseason position. And so what does that mean? But I do think that you can start, at least if you're in his shoes and you're thinking about the roster moving forward and you're building on it, you've got to think about that as your starting place of having him as opposed to not having him. That's fair. That's reasonable. And, you know, again, this is a a deeper conversation for a a podcast in the future, maybe an article in the future, getting into Chris Bryant's health and, and how much can you count on him in the future and his age and all of these things. I think there's a lot of misnomers flying around about Chris Bryant, but of course it doesn't help that he barely played this year. And and it's hard when a guy, when we don't know the future and we haven't really seen anything in the present to say anything about what's going to happen next. So let's put aside those two parts of the conversation, because like I said, how you feel about what went wrong this year and getting into the weeds on Chris Bryant and banging our heads against the wall about Dick Monfort's philosophies. There's only so far you can take that, right? That that's one conversation essentially. But I hear this other part all of the time. I get asked this question. I was asked this question three times this morning, right? What is the Rockies' plan? This is probably the question I'm asked about the most. And 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 oftentimes I, and I feel this is coming from a lot of earnest people who are saying, I feel like I, I I'm losing my faith in this team. I have no trust in the general manager. I have no no trust in the team. I don't believe that they've got a, a plan or a, an idea of how to get themselves out of the position that they're in, that they're just fine middling in this, come being the you know 10th worst team in baseball every year, coming in last or second to last in their division. And they're fine with it because the ballpark is nice and all those things, right? That, that narrative we've heard over and over again. But, and I've said this since Bill Schmidt took over the job, I think he has been very clear very clear about what the plan is. Now, you can disagree with it. You can hate it. It's stinking guts, right? You can hate the plan. You you can... And, and this is one of those things that I, I find is just a frustrating element of oftentimes online discourse or maybe just our society in general, though, is we say when we don't like a thing, when we disagree with it, then we deny that it even is the thing. Weird analogy, but it happened like with the Halo TV show recently. Right? People hated it. Like, this isn't Halo. I'm like, well, it is. Is it the best Halo? Uh, no, not really, but it is. Right? So when people say, well, what's the Rockies' plan? And Bill Schmidt says, we're going to do X. We need to do Y. We've got to do L. Sorry. <laughs> Threw a random letter at you. He was very specific about a lot of things, and they have been over the last couple of years, and then they have followed through on doing those things. Now, it hasn't led to success. 
And that's, of course, the ultimate thing that fans want to hear. No, like, but that's just not a thing that there's no no person in the world who can come out and say, here's X, Y, and Z about how exactly they're going to take the Rockies from where they are right now to like perennial contenders or just a general contention, right? It, it's not as easy as laying out a specific and exact roadmap. And there are people, there are fans sometimes who try to do that, but it doesn't work that way because you know you have the safety of the knowledge of, of knowing that, 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 that your plan is never going to be implemented. It's never going to be tested. And if it were to blow up in your face, everyone will be calling for your job too. But that uh, that's part of it, right? So let's get into the specifics is my point. It's, it's not that any of that is necessarily completely you know, unfair, but I think we have to talk about the specifics. If you want to, if you're earnestly asking the question, what is the plan? Here are some things that Bill Schmidt said yesterday. One, they've got to add power. They need more home runs. He did say that he thinks, yes, some of these young guys who have made their debuts as of late, Tolia, Tovar, Maybe Bouchard, that's been interesting, can contribute to that. But he also made it clear that going outside of the organization for power is very much on the table and very much a possibility for this team, which I think is smart. Now, you know, he didn't get in. Obviously, he's not going to talk about specific players or even really specific positions, which I think is smart again, too, because you, you never know what you're going to be able to swing and you don't want to bury anyone who's on your team right now who you may need next year. But, you know, for example, if he went, hey, man, we'd love to... I think Brandon Nimmo is a really interesting potential get for the Rockies in the offseason. He's a fantastic defender, really, really good hitter. He's a, he's a big on-base guy, not a ton of power, but he's got some power. He's a He takes a great at-bat. Uh, keeps the walks high, keeps the strikeouts low. So I think, you know, the batting average would come up at Coors Field. He's an interesting option, right? Good defender and center. You need one of those guys. And he's going to hit more home runs than Jonathan Daza, almost certainly. But if you can't land Brandon Nimmo, and or if Jonathan Daza just turns out to, you know, he's had a pretty damn good year. He plays great defense, got good contact hitter. You need more power. Maybe center field is not where you're going to get it. So you don't bury that guy by saying, hey, we need more pop out of the center field position right now. Or we, we need more pop in our outfield. Right? Or you're like, well, Chris Bryant, you're probably expecting to hit for some power. You know, Charlie Blackman, you know, I think that's going to be more of a DH situation right now. So is right field a place where you go and get some pop? if you're expecting Tolia to take over at first base. And then does that mean trading C.J. Crone? So all of those conversations are going to be taking place. But if you're trading C.J. Crone, now you got to make up for that power. you got to get that power back, right? So where they're going to get the power is, you know, that's going to have to play out over the offseason. But he made it clear that that was going to be one of their top priorities. He also mentioned, uh, you know, looking for a more capable leadoff hitter, which I thought was really interesting. And I'm not sure, you know, we're talking about the old 80s, 90s style, uh, you know, or, or my guy Juan Pierre style, uh, a leadoff hitter, right? I, I don't think he's saying we need a speedy, slappy hitting. Uh, you need an on-base guy. We've seen a lot lately. They've been experimenting with Ryan McMahon 
in the leadoff spot. And I think some of that's been just getting him a few more at-bats and all of that. But I, but I think a little bit of it is he sees a lot of pitches. He takes his walks. He does have the power to at least get, like, hit the, the leadoff home run last night rather than the night before. No, it was last night. Um, and, and so they're looking for that as well. Can you find that those two things in one player? Maybe. Again, Nimmo, I think, is an interesting possible factor there so i thought that stuff was really interesting he talked about the youth movement and i asked him specifically about being more aggressive when it comes to moving these guys through the system and i knew it wasn't something that he was going to just come right out and say yeah man we're, we're just gonna move all these guys up but he in a roundabout way in, in answering my question and, and and in one other one basically said you should expect to see a lot more young players on our ball club next year. We're going to look different. We're going to push these guys through. He talked specifically about Zach Veen, mentioned that he's going to go play in the Arizona Fall League, and then he drew specific comparison to guys like Michael Tolia or Brendan Rogers, who had gone and played in the Arizona Fall League and then made their major league debuts the next season. A lot of people were thinking... Zach Veen, more of a 2024 guy, myself included. But he's been so good, and he's responded so well to the fact that they keep pushing him through the organization that if he goes out and has a really strong Arizona Fall League, shows up at spring training, almost certainly he's going to get that spring training invite next year, uh, a lot like Tovar, right? And, and, and Tolia. And... If he shows well there, then begins his season. But we've even seen this year, and and I talked about it. Like, I think right before he got called up, I had even said, like, I, t- I totally understand the Rockies not calling up Tovar because there's only two and a half weeks left of the season, and he had been hurt, and he hadn't really had any time in AAA, and it's a kind of weird way to get him there. And I, I think Rockies teams of the past would have said, ah, let's just call it a season. But Bill Schmidt said, nope, we need to see T- Tovar at the big league level for as much time, and he's got to start. He's got to play. Got to get him in there. And they're doing it. You know, his, his answer on the Zach Veen question, the way they brought up Michael Tolia, which is another thing that I mentioned at the time, is like more, far more aggressive than they had been. Jeff Breidich, I think, got really gun-shy about this. In fact, I'm 90-plus I'm percent sure because he even talked later on in his tenure about how an early decision to jump a player from double A to Major League Baseball. It was Eddie Butler. Um, and it really did not go well for Butler. It, it, that season kind of turned south on the Rockies. And and it went really, really poorly. And from then on out, and, and you'll see, like he basically never jumped a guy straight from double A to the bigs. Uh, even David Dahl or Ryan McMahon, some of these guys were, who were putting up huge numbers at the time, they still had to go and spend three weeks, maybe a month in triple A at the very least, before they get the call. And with Tovar, it was like he had been hurt. He'd missed several weeks. He comes back. He plays in a handful of ball games at AAA. And they go, nope, get him up. Get him up. Time to see him. Much more aggressive. Right? So I get that Bill Schmidt's not going to bury Jeff Breidich or say, yeah, I'm going to be more aggressive than we used to be or, or admit that that dynamic exists. But in the way he answered my question, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm reading between the lines here. And it sounds very much like you are going to be 
aggressive, I guess, is the word, or at least very much open to giving important at-bats next season or important uh, appearances from some guys, uh, certainly out of the bullpen. I, I think, you know, Riley Pint is going to be an interesting conversation to have there, and that's just a fantastic story. Guys like Carl Kaufman, he did mention that Lambert and Rollison should be healthy and are and ready to go for next season and that he's counting on having them around, but that they're going to be looking... Uh, this is something he said inside and outside the organization for pitching, you know, which of course, obviously, and and, and they're going to need to go get some guys uh, for the bullpen. That's the one thing I was going to ask one last question about the bullpen, uh, but somebody jumped in before me and, and then that ended up being called for last question. So I was like, damn, uh, the bullpen is the one thing that we didn't really get specifically on that I really wanted to, um, you know, with Carlos Estevez being a free agent and all of that, uh, I was very curious to to hear his thoughts on whether or not spending money on the bullpen makes a ton of sense or whether he would prefer to target those kind of reclamation project guys or or the, you know, incentive-laden deals like they had with Greg Holland or or even Wade Davis, as much as that didn't work out in the, the later years. He had the one really good season, at least in terms of racking up a bunch of saves. So, that we didn't really get into. Uh, he talked a little bit about the analytics department. Uh, it was kind of vague on that. Um, the question wasn't great, so he was kind of allowed to sidestep and basically say, yeah, we're going to continue to grow our analytics department and they're going to continue to help us with decisions, both philosophically and on the field, how to create our roster and, and all of that, which, yeah. Um, but... I guess at the very least, he acknowledged that. Um, I'd, I'd like to know a few more specifics when it comes to the analytics department and you, you know how it's been gelling under new leadership, and you know to what emphasis they work on unique sort of Coors Field related analytics, as opposed to just you know how many people are working in the department which we can all just go and look up anyway. <laughs> you know, you can just go, you can just go and find that information. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I would have liked a little more on the analytics. I would have liked a, anything on, on the bullpen, but the rest of the stuff that I thought, you know, that we got into with him saying the one thing that I disagreed with on the most that he said was, you know, I don't think that we lost this year because of our starting pitching. Now, there were often times where they weren't the biggest culprit. And certainly, you know, Freeland has ended the season well. Marquez stabilized a little bit. Chad Cool had his times where he was very good and and so on and so forth. They weren't they weren't a dumpster fire. They weren't a disaster. They were just highly disappointing for what they could or I would argue should be. And so I disagree. Well, again, if if this was a one-on-one conversation, I would have had a chance to to do a bunch of follow-ups, right? But when you've got 40 reporters standing around, it can be difficult to get into some of the details on these questions. But I just, the, the pitching wasn't good enough. And it's the most important part of the team. And so if what he's saying is, 
you know, we don't think our pitching is a disaster and we think we can do a, a couple of little things to make it better, but it definitely needs to be better than I agree. If what he's saying is, hey, our pitching was fine and what we need to do is just, he did mention situational hitting this year, which I think some people um, are simplifying a little bit. Uh, there's a lot more to situational hitting than just what is your, you know, batting average with runners in scoring position or whatever. There, there's a lot of different ways in which playing the situation of the game is not something that the Rockies have, have done well throughout the year. He mentioned that the defense was just not acceptable throughout times throughout the year. Uh, but the pitching was a problem and it was a fatal one in my mind. It, and, and I've said this many times before, and, and this may even just be a philosophical difference, though I, I would be willing to bet that Bill Schmidt would agree with what I'm about to say. And I I know Bud Black would. And it's that you you just have to pitch to succeed. All of the other stuff only matters if you pitch. The starters have to be consistently above league average if you're going to compete for a postseason spot. And only one of them, Kyle Freeland, was. And he wasn't even consistently above average. He just ended up above average. Right, The rest of them were below league average pitchers. And you, you cannot win that way. No matter how good your offense is, no matter how good your defense is, no matter how good your bullpen is, if four of your five starters are below league average, you're a below league average baseball team. And if four of your five starting pitchers are above league average you should be able to compete for an above-league average record. Now, it doesn't always work out that way because baseball is very hard and cruel and unfair. You can have great pitching and still be a bad team if your offense, defense, and bullpen are terrible. It's just the starting, right? It's the foundation. It's the pyramid. It's the bottom floor of the pyramid. If you don't have that set properly, everything else comes tumbling down. So... I have heard him say earlier in this season and hint in this conversation yesterday that they will go outside the organization and look for starting pitching. He said this right after the Antonio Senzatella injury, right? Because they're not going to have Senza for the first month and a half, maybe two months of the season. Really putting a lot of pressure on Marquez and Freeland and then bounce backs from Gomber, and, and I've written about this, we've talked about all of that, re-signing Chad Cool, Urania, Lambert, Rollison, Oliveras, there's a bunch of just huge question marks there. So going out and getting a guy who you feel like could be solid for your rotation, and because of all of the issues with the Rockies signing pitching and all of that, I totally understand why he wouldn't want to set the expectation that they're going to go sign a big-name pitcher, nor should they try to do so. But I really hope that his comment about how our big problem this year wasn't starting pitching isn't a sign that he's going to leave the starting pitching exactly as it is. Again, I, I don't think that's necessarily a disaster, but I think it is rolling the dice on your entire season because none of the rest of the stuff that you do matters. You don't get that right. You can go and sign Brandon Nimmo. You can retool your entire bullpen. You can have one of the better offenses and bullpens and defenses in the league next year. And if you pitch with by, by your starters the way you did this year, you will lose. Not simple. 
But the other thing that he hinted at, and I don't want to run too far too fast with this because I am very much reading between the lines because, of course, this is not the kind of thing that he's likely to say with a week left in the season. But he said some things about some foundational and philosophical changes. I'll let that linger for a second and see if you think about, you know, foundational and philosophical changes. He did give full confidence, of course, to Bud Black. And I don't think anyone expects that to be changed. But he was asked about some of the coaching and talked about some foundational and some philosophical approaches. So I wouldn't be surprised. Again, I'm not right to say, Bill Schmidt says they're going to fire everybody. No, 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 no. Let's, let's be very clear about what I'm saying here. It made it sound, that's just one of the things. So bringing in more analytics guys, bringing in more coaches, making coaching changes, or getting all the coaches in a room with the analytics guys and the general manager and whoever else and, and Clint Hurdle and the people who, who do things and say, this is what we've got to change from a philosophical standpoint, because there are lots of things. And I actually talked to Daniel Bard about this yesterday. You know, it, it's not always get the better player. Sometimes it is that that little adjustment takes the guy who's OK and makes him great. This is basically how the Dodgers have become the dynasty that they are now. It's that they take the thing that makes a guy able to hang at the major league level and they turn him into Max Muncie. You know, there's these guys who couldn't couldn't hang other way in other spots and so there, there needs to be the Rockies need to hit the ball in the air more and that's not just about well go and get players who hit the ball in the air they did that with Randall Gritchick didn't work so something philosophically is not working with this team is it the coaching is it the approach is it uh, a mentality what's going on because it needs to change and that I thought was the thing that he just sort of said subtly that actually gave me the most amount of hope that there are going to be some, to use his word, foundational and or philosophical changes, some changes to the approach, right? Because that needs to be a difference too. The Rockies need more guys who can work in that bat, more guys who are willing to work in that bat, take their walk, hit the ball in the air more. I talked about that. A lot of their pitching woes, I would argue, come down to pitch selection, pitch philosophy, when do they decide to come up or in on a hitter? When do they decide to go with the breaking ball? When do they hunt for the strikeout versus when do they pitch to contact? All of those things can totally derail you no matter how talented you are. Well, maybe not no matter how talented. Some guys are so talented. they can. But for most guys, right, those things can make a huge difference. And if you give this group of players a better chance to succeed with a better approach. A lot of them have shown us that they've got the talent, whether we're talking about Marquez or Freeland. Even Gomber has shown us he's got the talent to succeed and the stuff to succeed. A lot of the failure this year, in my mind, has come from approach. And that's a mentality. That's a thing that needs to be changed in from a front office and coaching standpoint. And preached throughout the entire system as well. And rewarded when guys do those things properly. Which is one of the reasons why I think as much as Michael Tolia does strike out, he works at bats, he walks, and he hits the ball in the air. <laughs> so they rewarded him for some big league at bats. You know, they need that. They need that guy. 
they need several of them. <laughs> but yeah, so that, like I said, I'm going to have more thoughts on, on the Bill Schmidt presser. I'll have some stuff in writing. I'll, I'll go over my notes and see if there's anything else here I missed. If you have any questions for me uh, about anything else you may have heard him talk about that I, I didn't get into here, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or in the Discord. Uh, you can always find me out there talking Colorado Rockies baseball, though. I, I do oftentimes prefer to do it in the Discord because Twitter can get, well, a little weird, can it? So, <laughs> uh, Anyway, I appreciate you all for listening in to this episode. Make sure that you're checking out all the written content over at milehighsports.com, checking out all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.